Hello and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen, and I'm joined today by Jessica Owens from The Changed Movement. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on today. I'm really excited for this conversation. It's one that I've been wanting to have for a while on this podcast, and I happened across your website and I was reading through the stories and I was like, this seems like this seems this seems like it would make a really good episode. So I'm really glad that you're joining us today. Well, thank you for leaning into the conversation. I appreciate it. And so your organization basically highlights the stories of people who used to live a homosexual lifestyle and now have embraced God's plan for marriage. Could you just share your story and then how like the movement got started? Kind of just, yeah, what happened there? Absolutely. Well, I'll first just start with how change movement got started. Um, Ken Williams and Elizabeth Wanning, um, they both have stories of leaving LGBTQ behind to follow Christ. Both of their stories are different. Um, they both have come out of that life. They're now married, not to each other, but to separate people. Ken has four kids and, um, Elizabeth is married to her husband. And, um, both of them would say they don't experience same sex attraction again, but they had long journeys of navigating that. Um, and with the heart to really want to help people, um, they, uh, started meeting together and having conversations, around the topic of like, what actually did we not have that would have been helpful to have in our journey? Um, Or what did God do in our process? How did he meet us? And how can we begin to create uh, resources that would equip the church essentially to be a safe place, to not be afraid of the conversation, but be able to hold the line with truth, but also to meet people in compassion. And so uh, they launched their ministry originally under Equipped to Love, um, and that was going for about a year and a half. I think that was in 2017. And then in 2018, there was a piece of legislation that came across the state of California that really would have made it illegal for them to do what they were doing. It, it was a infringement on a religious uh, speech and freedoms. It would have made it illegal for a pastor to be able to help someone that was coming for help for unwanted SSA. And so they went to the Capitol, they shared their stories, and they realized that no one was listening. And so they were like, oh, you're just two people. We don't realize that there's more. And so with the help and support um, of our local church here that we're associated with, uh, Chris Valentin got behind us and we put together a book. So it's this book right here called Change Movement. And we put together these short stories um, and testimonies that highlighted, you know, 30 to 40 of our friends that came out um, of LGBTQ from, you know, uh, gender dysphoria, uh, trans to uh, same-sex attraction as a lesbian or gay, just various experiences um, that said, hey, we're not the only ones. And so this went through um, all the House of Representatives and Senators offices. And actually the man that was an openly gay man, um, who was sponsoring this bill, We they met with him and had really good, healthy dialogue with him. And he was so impacted by our stories that he actually pulled the bill miraculously. Um, and so that was AB 2943 in 2018. And so all of a sudden, uh, Ken Elizabeth kind of found themselves, you know, they never signed up for that, but it was like God had a different plan often like he does. And they found themselves in the advocacy uh, just have being a voice for people that have unwanted SSA that are seeking the help that they want to be able to get that help. And, you know, the protections also for family and family values across our nation for parents to be able to have a voice for their children as we see the trans topic really kind of prominent. And so that's really how Change Movement launched is we ended up having thousands of people lock arms with us, which is where you'll see our testimonies on our website. Um, 
that are like, hey, I want to speak up and say that you're not alone and that here's here's a different way. And so that's all that we really desire is to be able to have that dialogue across the aisle in a healthy way where we're, we're having compassion um, and creating understanding um, for each other. And so we love to equip the church and, and help the church be a safe place. That was original how they started. And then we also are in the advocacy realm of just like I said, we, we go to D.C. every year. Uh, we have engagements there of just holding the line on family values and biblical marriage, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's us at Change Movement. And I have the honor and privilege to get to be a part of a movement that directly speaks to my personal story. And so just to give a brief overview of my testimony, um, I grew up in the southern part of the United States. Um, and so very conservative place, um, very conservative values, the Bible Belt. I was in the northern part of Florida. I spent a lot of my adult life in Alabama. So churches are everywhere. And I was raised in church. I was raised in a loving family. Um, and and so I had a really great upbringing. Um, unfortunately, like it wasn't common in that time to really talk openly about sex, right? Or about sexual temptations or different things. Um, that wasn't even really something I experienced in the church in my youth group, uh, not very common, right? And so when I was taken advantage of by an older teenage boy at the age of 13, I was touched inappropriately. That really created a fracture for me um, and in, I, I allowed him to do more with me um, physically. Um, and and then that was that coupled of that shame of, oh, this is my fault. I must have done something wrong, as well as this experience with my body actually having an arousal response that because we know that God made our bodies to do that. Right. And and in the covenant and beauty of marriage. But all of a sudden I was like, I've just done the worst thing. And I just, I kind of went internal. I shut down. I didn't tell anyone what happened to me um, about that experience. I found myself, uh, you know, struggling with masturbation. I found myself struggling with getting online and and looking uh, or having inappropriate conversations in that space. Um, And so the shame just kind of kept compounding for me. And uh, I realized, um, you know, I didn't know how to talk about it. Not that the people in my life weren't safe. I just didn't know how to bridge that gap. And the enemy really was coming, right, to isolate me and condemn me and um, to create fear and uh, to place implant lies. And so I like to say that that experience really was marking for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though I was really involved in the church, I had already given my heart to Jesus. Um, When I was young, I was wanted relationship, always had an awareness of his presence. that, that was painful for me. And I ended up having an encounter with Jesus that was so powerful that um, I repented of this. And I actually experienced transformation and healing from the sexual temptations of masturbation. And so as I went through high school, I didn't really, I really walked in purity. Um, but I like to say there was like a hook of shame, you know, that really kind of stuck there because of this painful experience I had had. Yeah. And then I was a really athletic girl. I I still, to this day, I love watching football. I love playing sports. I was a multi-sport athlete. I love to be outside more than I cared to put on makeup or, you know, I, I didn't um, find myself enjoying the stereotypical female things. Right. And if we're honest, they're just kind of stereotypes. Right. And so I kind of had this, I didn't really know 
how to express my femininity or did I see myself probably rightly, right? Um, other people, I feel like there was a disconnect in how people received me versus how I felt I received myself. And um, so that kind of made me go down this process of just feeling like I didn't measure up as, as a woman, you know, and I wasn't pursued by guys in high school in healthy ways. So I didn't get asked out to prom or homecoming. So in, in the US, those, you know, the big dances when you're in high school, so it was just that kind of lingering lie of like, I must not be good enough. I must yeah. not have what it takes. Um, will I ever be pursued? And in this time, um, um, of course, my parents had no idea what I had gone through, right? And every teenager, you're trying to find where you belong, who you are, what does it mean to be me? Um, and even though my parents were doing a great job of affirming me, for some reason, I had a hard time um, emotionally connecting with my mom. And, um, and bonding with my mom in a way that I needed, even though she wasn't necessarily doing anything wrong, the enemy was coming to say, hey, see, you, you also don't measure up for your mom. You know, you also, there's something's wrong here. And so that lack of emotional connection was still kind of there and all these insecurities. As I went off to college, um, I was a division one softball athlete and found myself in a friendship with one of my, uh, one of my friends and um, it was at first she was a Christian, I was a Christian, and it was a very healthy relationship. And then all of a sudden I found myself staying in the room with her, um, like cuddling kind of inappropriately, kind of crossing these lines. But there was this weird emotional enmeshment that I was starting to experience. You probably find that today as codependency, you know. Um, and so I found myself really codependent and emotionally dependent on her, um, you know, jealousy when she had a boyfriend friend, things and such like that. And I found myself experiencing same-sex attraction. And here I am, I'm, I'm a, you know, 19 years old. Um, and oh my gosh, I'm living the Bible belt and I've done the very worst thing that you could do. I, if I couldn't talk about what happened to me at 13, obviously the enemy told me not to talk about it. Right. But yeah. how am I supposed to talk about what happened to me is happening to me now, you know? And this is back in like 2005, 2006. So it's a while ago. So it wasn't as common in that time to come out um, or to have that conversation. And so I found myself finding comfort with some friends that were lesbians. They came out to me. Um, I started hanging out in that community. I thought, oh, wow, they kind of understand me. Maybe this describes why I didn't fit in. And I ended up acting on those feelings. Um, and I lived in that life for six and a half years. Now I hid that from my family. I hid that from my parents. So I was one person when I was at college and I was another person when I was home. Um, and, you know, living two lives gets old pretty, yeah. pretty fast. And what I like to say is there was so much pain of just wanting to be loved, wanting to be desired. And I was trying to fill that with women. I was trying to fill that with sexual engagement, drinking, partying, that whole atmosphere. Honestly, it was a lot of pain that was unprocessed. And uh, there was a measure of comfort for a while, right? There was a measure of acceptance that I found in the LGBT community. Even though I didn't come out, I was still a part of that community. Um, but I always had this kind of when my girlfriend would break up with me or something would go wrong, I would think, is this really what I want? You know, there was a seed in my heart to want to love the Lord and serve him with my life. And I began, as I lived, the longer I lived in that, I began to go, I'm not really sure if this is honoring the Lord the way I've always wanted to. You know, and I kind of began to survey my life and go, my life is really a mess. Like, who have I become? 
And I moved to a new city and I thought I would change because I got out of my environment. But, you know, nothing changes until our heart, until the Lord can break through into our heart. And that didn't happen yet. And so and I wasn't ready to surrender. And um, but the Lord was pursuing me. And I met some married couples who loved the Lord in this season of my life, heterosexual married couples. And I thought to myself, they have something that I don't have right now. Like they have a joy. I see a joy in their life. I see something that I don't have and I want. And so I ended up, I started going to a church. It was a more charismatic church. Um, and uh, the worship really began to minister to me. I mean, people were just worshiping the Lord, hungering for him and tears would roll down their face. And I would think, wow, they must really know God. Like I used to know him back then in high school and youth camps and all that. And I began to long for relationship for the Lord again, because when I was in the life, I would go to church, you know, twice, three, four times a year, but I wasn't really in communication with God. I wasn't reading the scripture. I loved him, but I wasn't living that life for him. And, and so, um, one Sunday morning I was at this church and, uh, I, I, I knew, um, I, I basically had this experience, uh, with, there was a young boy, he was getting water baptized and, um, I saw him go under the water. And when he went under the water, I heard this voice. Um, now it wasn't audible, but I, I heard almost like it was coming from within me. And it said, Jessica, don't you want your father to see your children be mighty warriors for my kingdom? And I was sitting right next to my girlfriend in church. We were in a same-sex relationship. I had gone as far as to believe that I was gonna marry her. Her dad was a pastor of a church that ordained same-sex marriage at the time. So that's as far as I was. And I love this part of my story because God wasn't afraid to pursue me right where I was, you know, in church with my girlfriend. Now, you wouldn't have known. I didn't present myself masculine or you wouldn't have known we were together. But God spoke to me in that very moment and he saw me and I felt this conviction, though. I was like, you know. I can't have a family. I can't reproduce life. This desire in me to be married one day, to have a family, to build a legacy for the Lord and for my physical family wasn't going to be possible. And so I did a very courageous thing. Three days later, I called my mom and I finally got it out in the open. I finally confessed. And my mom responded with such compassion and unconditional love that that drove me back to church where I ended up at the altar receiving prayer um, and having another powerful exchange in, in worship where I would like to say um, up to this point, I didn't understand the Holy Spirit. I didn't understand spiritual warfare. I didn't know that the enemy was has principalities, demonic principalities that are out to still kill and destroy my life. And um, I experienced, honestly, <laughs> kind of a war going on as I radically surrendered my life. And I felt this heaviness lift. You know, it's the best it's the best way I can explain it was almost like a, a deliverance type experience, but no one laid a hand on me, but the presence of God was setting me free. And I ended up repenting that day, confessing what I had been doing, recommitting my life, radical surrender. And after that encounter, I didn't experience same sex attraction. I mean, wow. I had to sit in my master's program with my ex-girlfriend and I had no attraction to her. Now, that was absolutely shocking, you know, that, oh, like how could God have done this, you know? And it was always amazing to me, like God 
how do you love me so much after what I've done? And I feel like this is when I really understood the cross. This is really what I understood what Jesus did for me. And Jesus was tempted in every way that I was, but yet was without sin. And he took that upon himself to make a way for me to have access to him at all times. And so it's not by my own ability or my strength, but it's by his spirit that I walk in freedom as a new creation. And I really began to understand what it meant to be born again. You know, we can be born again and we can uh, be a Christian and give our lives to him, but we cannot always access or uh, allow ourselves to access the full freedom that's in Christ. And I began to be discipled. You know, I had people that I started walking with. Um, and so even though the same sex attraction was gone, there was a lot of healing I had to go through over those years. And this was back in 2012 um, when that happened. And so I've been walking in freedom for, for 11 years now. And, you know, there was a process of inner healing. There was inner healing prayer that brought transformation to my life. There was vulnerability and community, you know, and fellowship with others uh, where I studied scripture, right? And I, I learned how to gird myself in the word and in his truth. Um, and how to stand in this new identity, to see myself the way that he saw me, you know, the fear of man I used to struggle with, the insecurities, renewing my mind, right, to the mind of Christ, that really began to bring greater freedom and transformation. And I moved out to Reading in 2018, which was right when Change was launching, not knowing. I came out to do ministry school at Bethel Church, and I did all three years. And then I came on board serving our ministry uh, in my third year of school, um, I was assisting Elizabeth, who's our, our co-founder, and now I'm a licensed pastor, you know, through Bethel Church, and I get to help and pastor young people. I serve in our, our uh, youth group here as well, and, you know, I just get to be that, that safe place of, hey, you're not alone, and God wants to meet you um, in your brokenness, and He actually cares, and um, but He can also bring healing that you're seeking, and so yeah, that, there's there's just a little bit of my story. <laughs> that's that's so powerful. It makes me think of the gospel where they're this like everyone's talking to Jesus and they're like, "Why are you with the tax collectors and the sinners?" And he's like, "Those who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick." And that yeah. the church is there to obviously uphold the truth and like God's plan for marriage and sexuality, but at the same time, we're all sinners and people struggle with different types of sin. And being able to meet people and help them reject sin and welcome and like accept God's grace and live out what he has planned for them. And everybody, God has a plan for everybody and being able to help people free themselves from sin and be able to embrace that and become like the best version of themselves in that way. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, you said that you kept the secret, but did anyone know, like, did anyone try to help you leave that lifestyle when you were living it at all? Or was it basically like you had your girlfriend and you were in this community with them and then everyone else didn't know? Yeah, there there wasn't um, anybody that know that knew that, that necessarily kind of took a step to lean into me or ask questions. Um, there was there was one person in my life that was influential um, that I think saw some of the early grounds of the unhealthy relationship in the codependent relationship, um, but uh, the way that they they went about it was a little bit challenging for me. Like I kind of shut down. But I don't necessarily think they did anything wrong. I just think um, I was at a place of you don't understand me or 
I don't, that's not really going on because I hadn't really accepted at that point that I was struggling with same-sex attraction. So I was kind of in this place of denial um, out of fear and shame. And so, yeah, most people didn't, if they knew, they didn't ask. They didn't um, lean into those conversations. What do you wish someone would have said to you? Like what would have actually been helpful for you at that point? Because I think sometimes very easy as Christians who want to help people we don't think we know what we should say, but nobody really knows how to say something in a way that someone will receive it. And so what would have helped you kind of receive guidance back then, if anything? Yeah, I think for maybe some of my friends that were Christians or um, even some of the more leadership people that were in my life, if they if they saw some things that were concerning, I think I wish they would have um, been able just to come to me and say, you know, Jess, hey, we're seeing... Um, a possibly unhealthy situation here in some of your relationships. And because we love you, we're just a little bit concerned. Is anything going on that you want to talk? We want you to know that nothing that you tell us is going to make you make us love you any less. Like we, whatever you're going through, we want to walk through this with you. Uh, is there anything you'd like to share with us? Um, I think if they could have leaned in that way, um, and even if I didn't respond the first time and they saw greater unhealth, just like following up, um, would have been possibly, possibly I would have maybe gotten it into the light sooner, you know, because when I, when I finally, like, for example, told my mom and realized she wasn't going to eject, reject me and leave, mm-hmm. um, that hold of rejection, that fear of rejection, it didn't work anymore. Right. Because my experience was opposite. And so, you know, coupled with that, um, you know, I think, uh, asking questions, just intentionally spending time with me, and, and leading in relationally. Um, I think the other thing I would back up a little bit too is even at my youth stages, because I really feel like that's where it happened. And so for anyone that's hearing this, that's in youth ministry or, um, you know, uh, or has children in that state, that stage, it's never too late to start talking about sex and to start having the conversation. Um, and I think just uh, leaning in and asking, hey, how's your purity walk going? I just want to remind you, there's nothing that is going to change the way I love you. Like, I'm here to support you. I just want to check in with that. Um, I think, you know, starting to talk about what the healthy biblical way is, is great. But relationally, in those one-on-one moments, not avoiding those more uh, hot topics um, Mm -hmm. and asking questions. You know, I think if someone maybe could have asked me that in that phase, I would have been able to share the masturbation struggle what had happened to me when that boy took advantage of me. I mean, that should have never have happened, but you know, um, of course no one knew that was happened, but no one ever directly asked me, how's your sexual purity going? Have, have you had any struggles or anything that's happened in this space? So those things I think would have been helpful. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people who experience same-sex attraction suffered abuse at some point? Because that was a common theme that I saw in a lot of the testimonials on your website was that a lot of people said that they'd had something like what you had where a boy takes advantage of you at a very young age or had his family member who abused them, that it seems like a very common theme. Is that something that you find? Yeah, that's a great question. It is very common. Now, I can't say every single person that experiences same-sex attraction has has had a form of sexual abuse or trauma, um, but I would say it's very, it, the percentages to me are very high. Um, there's not many people that I speak to that weren't um, didn't have something like that that happened, whether it was like for Ken, for example, our co-founder at the age of eight years old, he found uh, a pornographic magazine um, and he 
when he, what he saw in that magazine was so vile with men doing acts with men. And then his younger friend touched him inappropriately, obviously modeling after these magazines. So that's where everything started for him. And he tells you that. And so you do see that whether it's also um, sometimes it's not just physical, it's emotional abuse or, um, you know, they grew up in a home that wasn't stable. Maybe dad wasn't there or dad was very aggressive or was an alcoholic or vice versa with mom. Um, so any type of those early childhood effects, I would say a lot of the times, you know, those really shape the way we see ourselves and the way, um, also the way we interact with God, right? Because our parents are to model to us who the Heavenly Father is, what it looks like to receive comfort and nurture. And mm -hmm. so most of the time, if it's not a sexual trauma, you're going to see some form of disconnect between a parent. Um, a, some, mostly a same-sex parent is where you're going to see a lot of a lot of that disconnect there. Um, so yeah, I would say it's very it's very common, and we like to highlight that because a lot of times people think that their attraction oh there's this attraction, but a lot of times there's things there's reasons why that's coming up, and so you can help someone see like actually this attraction isn't who you are. It's not your identity. You know we believe that our temptation is not who we are, right? Mm -hmm. Temptation is not sin. Jesus yeah. was tempted in every way, but he just didn't act on it, right? And so Jesus wants to talk to you about that temptation, right? Because he wants to help you resolve what's going on so that you can stand in your authority and who you are in Christ. And so, you know, we really love to help to get, help people get curious about what, whoa, what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. um, and unpack that attraction to really get to the bottom of, where did that lie come in and where did that belief system come in? Um, and that can be powerful when people can have that moment with Jesus. You know, they're talking to Jesus about it and they can realize that, oh, this isn't me. <laughs> yeah, and I think That's it's important to recognize that a lot of people who suffer from same-sex attraction, like they're struggling with something and they don't need to be judged. They need to, someone to enter into that hard conversation and really help them deal with temptation and be able to reject that. But yeah, it doesn't come from a place of like me versus them. It has to come from a place of like the relationship. We're going to work through this together and like experience God's healing and really try to heal the root cause of whatever is causing this. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's, and just to kind of lean into compassion to you, to the person, because, you know, I didn't choose to have same-sex attraction with my best friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't go, oh yeah, this is what I want. I mean, think about my story. I, I, I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to please him. Mm -hmm. I wanted um, him to be in my life. I wanted to live my life for him. And then I found myself with these experiences. Um, and so someone that's experiencing this, they're really experiencing it. It's really real to them. And that can be painful. That can be yeah. painful. And so when we can understand, understand and lean into that um, with that compassionate heart to seek to understand the person communicating to them that we love them, that we're here for them, that we want to walk with them, that this doesn't change the way we see them. It doesn't change the way we view them um, and honoring them when they are being vulnerable with us um, and building that safety and trust with someone. I mean, it's, it's life-changing when you can bring something into the light and someone can be that safe place for you um, and, and lean into your compassion and lean into that compassionate heart. Yeah. Reject the sin, but love the sinner. And right. 
yeah, really have that approach. How would, how is your experience with same-sex attraction and that everything that happened there, how has that changed or like shaped your view of marriage now? What an interesting question. Like, do you have uh, more of an appreciation for it? Or yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe you wouldn't know otherwise, but. Yeah, I think that I do. I think because I had such pain in that area, it really drove me to seek the Lord for what his, what was the beauty in why he created sex, right? Why he created man and woman. Um, what does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man? What are the beauties in that, the complementary effects in that? Um, so I definitely think not only did it give me a more reverence and a, um, a view for marriage, you know, one of the things I, I think that I love that I discovered is, you know, marriage, uh, gee, there's one reason Jesus wants it in covenant, right? And, and that he also wants it to be with one person forever. It's because marriage models his commitment to us. You know, when Jesus marries us, essentially, when we marry him and we give our lives to him, uh, we can break our commitment to him, but he never breaks his commitment to us. And so just that view, I think we need to hold, we need, that needs to be restored in the Christian body of, wow, marriage is so holy. It's so sacred that it has the power, right? To communicate to the world, the love of Christ to us, right? The, the bridegroom to the bride that he, Jesus never breaks his commitment to us ever. Um, and, and so I think that revelation really came through my healing journey. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, do I believe that God ever wanted me to experience same-sex attraction? No, you know, um, but I believe that the Lord uses it, right? And <laughs> what the enemy meant to still kill and destroy, God will use in my life for abundant life. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely given me a, a, an appreciation for marriage and a holy reverence for it, you know, as well as in my singleness, I'm not married but not to rush into marriage, you know, like marriage is not heterosexual. Marriage is not the solution to coming out of same sex attraction. And it's not the indicator that I'm free. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, no, I, I don't want to be married to just anyone. I want to be married to someone that reveres that in the same way I do. And, um, and is willing to lay down their life for me just as much as I'm going to lay down my life for them. Right. Um, there's marriages, uh, I lay down my life for you, right? Like, yeah. just like Jesus laid down his life for us. And so it's sacrificial, not always easy, costly, yeah. but so worth it, right? And so yeah. it's definitely given me that. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, it's your cross. When you marry someone, that's the cross you're taking on for the rest of your life. And they're taking you on as the cross. And that's like, marriage isn't easy. It is hard and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there's a lot of graces and there's a lot of great happiness, but it is also hard. And yeah, you don't just get married for the sake of getting married. You get married because you found someone that you want to help get to heaven and spend the rest of your life with. Right. I mean, I think marriage is a beautiful purification plan, right? I mean, even Jesus says, you know, take a bear your cross and follow me. Like yeah. it's a life of surrender. It's not what I want. It's, it's laying down my life. Right. And I think that level of surrender has been one of the keys to my freedom. Right. It's that continual process of not my way, but his way. Well, and I think it's important to remember that same-sex attraction is a temptation to one sexual sin, but there's a lot more. Like, you can't, as a Christian, look at one type and be like, that's bad, but we're okay with everything else. Like, you have to recognize that everyone is going to struggle with it, or maybe not everyone, but a lot of people struggle with sexual sins of some type, and that 
we all need to work through that. We're all called to chastity. We're all called to, if we're called to marriage, then we're called to be loyal to that one person for the rest of your life. And if you're not called to marriage, then you're not called to <laughs> go sleep around with people. So just like recognizing that we're all called to live a holy, chaste life and embrace God's plan for sexuality in whichever state of life we're called to. Um, yes, I agree. What advice would you have for Christians who want to help someone struggling with same-sex attraction, and but they don't really know what to say or how to appear compassionate, but not judgmental, but also uphold God's plan for marriage and not condone something that they see as wrong or that is wrong? Yeah, it's a wonderful question. Something that we're really passionate about here, right, is mm -hmm. that the church can um, know that they have so much to offer <laughs> and know that they have so much to give. Um, and that, in my opinion, the body of Christ is the solution. You know, um, we are the answer. There is the, the, the value that we can cultivate a family that is totally countercultural to the world, you know? Um, and I think it's important that church bodies go on that journey of what does it look like to be the family of God? What does it look like to love one another, to not objectify one another, right? But to serve one another, and I think from that place, when it comes to someone in your congregation who is, um, you know, coming to you or opening up to you that they're experiencing same-sex attraction, if you find someone leaning into you relationally and, and sharing that with you, well, you've done something right along the way because they've trusted you with something that's probably not easy to say. And so the way that you respond right there is so key, just responding with empathy and compassion reminding that person when they confess to you that um, this doesn't change the way that you see them and that you're going to walk this through with them. Um, you know, I think if it's someone uh, also helping that person like, hey, I might not have all the answers, but we're going to go on a journey of getting some of those uh, uh, those found, right? Like we have change movement. We can get some resources from them. We're going to do this together um, as well as helping that person find um, healthy community in their congregation is important. Like men need to have a vulnerable space that's safe for with other men. Mm -hmm. um, and whether you have same-sex attraction or not, but specifically if you do, because a lot of the times there's a fear and a disconnect with the same sex. It's like, I don't measure up to being a man. For example, a lot of men can feel that way when they struggle with SSA. They need to know that they belong amongst other men. And so men inviting men into their homes having conversations you know being in their lives being intentional um inviting them into those masculine fellowship gatherings are important and on the other side with women it's important that that is also there that women have a place to belong amongst other women and be able to share this not just with you but with multiple people and realize that they're going to be loved and that you're going to walk with them so so there's that side right like i have relationship with someone and someone tells me and then the other side is, oh, I, I may observe that this person or I've heard that they're struggling or maybe they've been open about it. Um, maybe they're thinking they can be uh, a Christian and be gay, for example, um, and they're in your congregation and they're so maybe they're at a place where you don't see eye to eye on the topic, but you're they're coming into your church and they're fellowshipping. And I just pause here. I think it's important that we as the church create that space right for anybody to come and and be in the presence of God and worship him and receive from the Lord. Um, and so if that, if you're in that place and you're like, I would love to pursue this person, I would love to build connection. My advice is to build relationship, you know, put 
their label and put that aside um, and, and pursue connection with them. You know, I think it can be really powerful to have people in your home, you know, have a meal together, creating a place where you're just getting to know who the person is, you're getting to care about them. And eventually what's going to happen when you start building that trust together, eventually is probably going to come up, right? So how do you see this area of my life and how do you think God sees it? And now that's going to be your opportunity to respond with, hey, I, I actually, I believe in a biblical view of marriage and here's why. Like, I think it's beautiful and powerful, but I also believe the Lord loves you and he cares about this, but I don't believe that's his design. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, despite us seeing this differently, I still would love to walk with you and um, a- answer their questions, you know, get in the word together. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay to say, you know, actually, I'm not sure. Let's go on a journey of exploring scripture together, you mm-hmm. know? Let's let's watch some content about this. Let's find that answer together. Um, and then you know, the last thing I would say, once you build that connection, is get curious. You know, ask questions. When when did this happen for you? When did this? When did you start experiencing this? And you're listening, trying to get clues for was there anything in their life where this started? Um, and most importantly, as they're open, leading them into encounters with the Lord. You know. Do they actually know how that they can hear God, that he wants to meet with them? How can you facilitate moments? Um, You know, these are probably going to be more one-on-one. You built close relationship settings. How can you facilitate moments where they can encounter the Lord, right? Every single person that I know that has been, has received radical healing in this area of their life and seen the same-sex attraction significantly decrease or, you know, let go of the label or would say, I don't experience this anymore. It all began because they had an encounter with Jesus himself. You know, you and I can't persuade anybody. And it doesn't help to get into that, right? But Jesus, he's pretty persuasive when he he knows how to break through with his kindness. It's this kindness that leads us to repentance. And, And so facilitating those moments, inviting them into worship in your home, you know, just fellowshipping, allowing them to see your life sharing Jesus. What has Jesus been to you? How has he healed your life? How has he met you? Sharing places of victory of like, you know, um, hey, I had this issue in my life and I, and it was painful and God met me. And, you know, now I don't struggle with it. Um, Testimonies can be so powerful. Um, Encouraging words, you know, speaking over someone, you know, a lot of the times, like for me, I didn't feel beautiful, you know, and I didn't feel that feminine expression. And so even just sometimes we forget that the most simple affirmation, um, a lot of the times individuals that struggle with same-sex attraction, they're starving for affirmation and acceptance. And so finding ways to encourage them and to call out the beauty you see in them, the giftings on their life um, can be really powerful. So I know I gave you, I gave you a lot of information there, but I hope some of that encouraged you guys. No, that, that was really good. That was one of the main reasons I wanted to have this because I feel like a lot of times there's this paralysis of because people push the LGBTQ agenda so hard in today's society, people just want to react to it. But that doesn't work when you're working with an individual. You can't just react to what they're struggling with and push them away or make them feel judged for their temptations, which they may not even be acting on. You have to be able to help them work through it and help them deal with that and help them know that they are like loved and valued by God and that 
he does have a plan for them and there's something like he wants them to do something great and that they have gifts and talents and a place in this world and they're not just forgotten by god or forgotten by the church or forgotten by people yes absolutely. yeah don't not feeling isolated so yeah yeah and i think you know one of the primary lies the enemy has used to disarm the church is to get someone to believe if they haven't had this experience they can't relate Mm. they can't be as effective as me for example ministering to someone and Mm. i just want to say don't buy that lie don't and if you felt it it's okay we all can that to me it's one of the projections of fear that the enemy is using to get the church to do nothing mm-hmm. we're so afraid to do something and we don't want to push someone away when actually in my life the women that discipled me in those first three to four years in my life um some of them there were most of them were a little bit older than me some of them i had peer friendships not one of them had my story not one. They were just people that loved Jesus, that were compassionate. They oozed him. Like when I was around them, I wanted to be with them. They were kind. They were fun. Um, these women that spent time with me, they they invited me into their homes. They, with their families, they ate lunch with me, had breakfast with me, met me for coffee, listened to my heart. Not one of them had my story. But you know, one of the things they did do is they were with there. Yeah. They were there for me. They leaned in. They asked the hard questions. They um, didn't change their love for me, no matter what I confessed or said. (laughs) And that honestly, like that changed my life. It was the body of Christ in, I'm going to say this in the conservative environment. You know, I had a group of women that just loved Jesus and they oozed him and they discipled me in the word. And they said, Hey, come on a journey with me and walk with me. And we're going to see God do something amazing in your life. You know, this, this is not who you are. And so I just think um, that you, every person hearing this that loves Jesus, you're the solution. And if God is burning this topic in your heart to want to love, there's a reason why he's doing it. Because I, I believe that God is going, he's already doing it. There's thousands of people leaving the lifestyle. There's thousands of people detransitioning have even physically transitioned their bodies that are that are transitioning back to their biological identity and god is on the move he is doing a a a good thing and so fill yourself with testimonies get on our website fill yourself with the hopeful narrative get off the news a little bit because it likes to tell you a different one but fill yourself with that hopeful expectation that god can do the impossible He did the impossible in my life. And I think when we carry that level of faith, it it makes a difference, right? Mm -hmm. When we're meeting with people. Um, And so feed your faith and know that you're valuable and that God wants to use you. He wants to use you to minister his love to the people around you. I love that you brought up relationships as like, in a sense, like the solution, like it's a way to help people because like God created us for relationship. And that's why we have all these rules. Like that's why there's rules about chastity and rules about like the 10 commandments. They're all about relationships with relationship with Christ and our relationships with other people. And that the more that you build those healthy relationships, the more that you help people form their relationship with God and their relationship with the people around them and their relationship with themselves, mm-hmm. the more they're going to be free from the shackles of like temptations of sin, or they might suffer those temptations, but they'll have that relationship with God to ground them. Absolutely. And 
you know, this is not a sexual issue. It's a mm-hmm. relationship breakdown. Yeah. It's into it's an intimacy breakdown. And cool. so it's not necessarily all about purity. And you yeah. see that um in the pornography world in addiction mm-hmm. or any type of sexual addiction. It's really not a sexual issue. It's um these are in pe- these are people in pain. Mm-hmm. Um they're experiencing incongruency that's not lining up. A lot of them sometimes with their faith, right? What's wrong with me? That's a hard question when you enemy makes you think you're broken in some way. <laughs> and so it is, that's, we, we like to say um, most of the healing we see happens obviously in the presence of Jesus, but mm-hmm. um, Jesus wants to love through people. <laughs> that's yeah. how he did. Relationships can be hard, but they're the most beautiful and powerful thing on the earth. And so he wants to heal us in community. And yeah. so we can't do this alone. None of us can. We need each other. And, um, and so we're the solution. Yeah. And he loves us even in our brokenness. Like he loves us through broken people to help heal that brokenness. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. I know I heard one time that there's four relationships broken by the fall. It was our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with the earth. And I just, Mm. I love looking at the Christian life as healing all those relationships, restoring your relationship with God, restoring your relationship with yourself and just really beginning to live out what God had planned for you and has planned for you and is doing so. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really good conversation. And I think, I hope it's a really fruitful one for our audience, because I think it's such an important topic that people don't always know how to address and just being able to address it with compassion and truth. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for wanting to have the conversation. It means a lot to me. A conversation like this would have if I had run across this resource would have really impacted my life earlier on. And so thank you for being willing to have it. And yeah, if anyone on that listens to this, you can find us at uh, www.changedmovement.com. And we have testimonies, resources there for you. Um, check us out, contact us, and we'd love to get connected. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And I'll link in the description as well. So awesome. Thank you so much. Bless you. And to all of our listeners, please like, subscribe, check out the new ebooks we have coming out and keep on living the culture of life. God bless.